Hey there, and welcome to The Artist Appeals. I'm your host, Erin Sperler, and in today's episode, we talk with a fantasy illustrator. She creates these gorgeous, ethereal, and somewhat edgy depictions of mythology and folklore from around the world. Her characters are just gorgeous, and I love it. We also talk design and branding, we talk about running, and uh, we give some serious tips on how to set up a display. So please help me as we speak with one of my favorite artists, Amelia Leonards. All right. Well, hello, Amelia. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining me. Ah, fun, fun, fun. These are always fun. So we like to start out right off the block with uh, rapid fire questions. So question number one, this is the artist appeals folks. Welcome. Question number one of our rapid fire questions is what is your number one top selling piece of art product style or theme? What, what works for you? Do share. Um, I find that whatever becomes popular is whatever I've done two years before. So I, I, I think people have to get used to it. It's very weird. So like, I definitely cycle through different themes in my art. So right now people finally caught on to the fact that I paint pagan goddesses and they're like, these are great. And I'm like, (laughs) I started that five years ago. I pushed that five years ago. You all ignored me. That's fine. (laughs) You know, I think it's a thing. It's really a thing that um, I found with my art agent. He always picks the ugliest work. Yeah, Hands down. People are like, this is your best piece. And I'm like, is it? Is it? Yeah, uh, that's what I have found is that if I find something that I find like totally ugly, somebody will buy it. Somebody will love it. Yeah. My best friend. Right my art agent, somebody will be like, oh my God, that's amazing. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the colors. Oh, so yeah, that's a really different palette for you. And you're like, that's yes, because I messed it up. That's right. <laughs> Happy accidents. Happy accidents. Yeah. Bob Ross. Yeah. Yes. I once had a college professor tell me that if I could make something so ugly, everybody in the class agreed it was ugly that he would give us an A. If somebody could make something so ugly, everybody in the critique, hands down agreed, it's ugly. He would give us an automatic A. And I tried. I tried really, really hard. <laughs> and don't you know they loved it? God damn them. Of course. Of course they I did. put bubble gum on it, neon pinks and greens. It just Ugh. sounds Dada or like, you know, super avant-garde. They're like, oh yeah, it's brilliant. And you're like, yeah. You're challenging funniest- color theory. Oh, yeah. Of color theory was a challenge. And one of the funniest parts about it is my best friend loved it, put it in our office. She was a psychologist or a counselor for a while, and somebody stole it. They I'm a famous artist. I've been, I've been stolen. <laughs> okay. okay. But first, Question. you had to like watch it, sit there in your friend's office. That's terrible. I never got to see it in her office. Thank God. She was somewhere in Arizona or something. Okay. Number two, what is the one thing you love to create or make or do? What is the top number one thing you'd love to do? Um, I guess, uh, paint creatures out of folklore and myth. 
because mm. it's, it's telling a story at the end of the day. So I'm, I'm telling a visual story. Fantastic. Yeah. I want people to get excited about it as excited as I am. And they're now, usually you, not. That's okay. Do you like to paint like the traditional myths that are a little bit darker? You know how like, um, have you ever read the Grimm's fairy tales and the originals are, they are not child friendly. <laughs> you can learn a lot from them though. <laughs> you can be, you know, traumatized for years. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I have a book of them somewhere. I have not read them to my sons. Okay. okay. No, don't do that. Maybe. No, no, not yet. Maybe when they're 12. <laughs> okay. So number three, what is the one thing you hate to do, make, or create the most? Um, does it have to be something that I still have to do or can I have gotten away from it? Oh, you can totally have gotten away from it. When people ask me to paint pictures of their houses, like, why me? I, I, like, <laughs> I got so angry at the last one that I hid a little helmet of Darth Vader, like in a window pane in the living room of his house. He never found it, but it was my passive aggressive revenge for having to do it. Oh, I love that. Thank you. You know, there's a lot of people that make a lot of I, I know a um an artist a pastel artist that loves to do architecture and I know a landscape artist that he loves to include architecture but the perspective and <laughs> it's challenging you know it's a real niche it's math it's too much math yeah yeah I hate math I need to learn to hold still this chair creaks I hope I don't fall through folks um <laughs> I was telling Amelia earlier that one of my uh, kids stole my stool. So I am sitting on this rickety chair, this rickety chair that has like a hole in the caning. So if I fall through, please laugh at me. <laughs> with you. Laugh with you. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing near I'm you. Laughing. <laughs> Perfect. Speaking of which, number four, what is the funniest or weirdest experience you've ever had with being an artist? Could be anything, really. There are too many. <laughs> Give us a good one. <laughs> that's, that's just too hard. <laughs> um, I asked the hard questions. You did. Um, I think that when I had a gallery for a little bit, I got the dumbest and weirdest questions and like comments thrown at me. Like, did your mother help you paint this? my mother is a botanist. She did not help me paint that. Why would she help me paint that? Or, you know, did you paint this with your hands? I'm like, no, I use my toes. I, I don't, and they're serious. <laughs> you know, there are some really weird ones. Oh, that's funny. You know, I didn't know. That you, that I paint them with my hands or. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are famous people that do paint with their toes. Hey, look, check. I got kitty cat socks on today. Yes. Sometimes I film in, in socks. Sometimes I film in bare feet. Sometimes I film in shoes. Are you wearing shoes? Wait, are you wearing wearing pants? (laughs) I am wearing pants. I did that for you. I considered not doing it, but I was like, no, no, I'm really talking. Damn. You should have not. And then I would have made you stand up and we got all had a good laugh. (laughs) That's true. 
I mean, I wear, make sure I was wearing nice underwear if I was going to do that. So fantastic. We'd go viral. <laughs> we might. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right. So number five, what is the one most important piece of business advice? you would give to yourself if you're just starting out again today? This is one of those throwback questions. What do you wish you knew when you started out? Everybody else is as scared as you are. Hmm. Yes, that's, that's, that is so true. It's so reassuring to know now, but everyone else seems to have it together. And like, you know, I don't, and that's fine. Oh, I hear you on that one, girl. You're preaching to the choir because- sure I'm doing this but you know I got up this morning and I was like hmm do I want to get out of bed (laughs) do I want to put on a face no it's cold can I just stay cuddled in here and just let the world float away oh wait I have to get my children off to school damn it (laughs) how dare they oh I know no that's the highlight of my day go to school children go please that makes sense. All right. I have a sixth one for you. Okay. This one is a challenging one. This is a philosophical question that I just thrown out there. Why do you think it is some artists find success so early on or so easily? And some artists like, you know, and I'm talking the biggies here. Why do you think mm-hmm. some of the biggies can charge like thousands of dollars for a single piece? And the rest of us are like just muddling through it. (laughs) What do you think the secret is? I don't think there is a secret. I also think it depends on the genre of art. I think that, you know, in some, uh, some disciplines, you can tape a banana to a wall and suddenly, you know, you're brilliant and that banana is going to sell for so much money. (laughs) And that's fine, I guess. Who was uh, that? That was recent. Who was that? Reason I, you know, I made a point of not finding out. <laughs> I was too grumpy about it. Right? It makes but me yeah. jealous, doesn't it? Maybe that's the better question: is how do you contend with that, like feeling of? I see. I'm just like I'm an illustrator. I'm in a different like. If I was a fine artist, I would be homicidal. But because I'm an illustrator, I'm like, nah, man, it's fine. <laughs> you do you. That's great. Yeah. And I also think of like, you know, Marcel Duchamp was like, ha 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 toilet. And everyone's like, brilliant. And he was like, oops. And, you know, I, I hear that Rothko was like, really, really? Okay. Like, you know, so. Yeah, it's, it is. It's one of those weird things. Like um, the, the toilet thing, I believe he submitted that originally to a gallery to exhibit not under his name and they rejected Arma. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's how he signed it. And they're like, yeah. that's not art. And now it's in the art history books because then he stepped forward. And he was like, oh, but I'm so Duchamp. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. imagine him saying it that way. <laughs> well, you, if your name is Marcel Duchamp, you have to. That's And even if you don't have a mustache, I can't picture him. You'd have to pretend you did for a second and twirl it. Yeah, that would be Dolly. Oh, he definitely had that mustache. Yeah. Oh, he rocked that mustache. He I can't do that, that mustache. Yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> I'll just keep trying though. But yeah, I think it just depends on genre for that. And otherwise it's what resonates with people or what they're told should resonate with them in perhaps a banana situation. Yes, yeah. 
Hey, I want to thank you for joining me here on the Artist Appeals podcast where I, your host, Erin Sparler, interview every creative that I can get my grimy little hands on and I ask all of them the question, how do you make money as an artist? We want to know. Aspiring minds want to know. That is the big elephant in the room, is it not? How do you make money as an artist? And to that effect, I'm very happy to announce that I have a new book. So check it out. You can go to How to Make Money as an Artist or How to Make Money with Your Art.com and you can check out the new book. The Artist Appeals. I've combed through all the transcripts from season one and two and pulled out the best quotes, the best stories I've even included, some not twos, and uh, compiled them all in a gorgeous book. It's taken years to come together. It's gloriously illustrated with graphics and photographs and examples and all sorts of good stuff. It's really accessible, really, really readable, and uh, written in plain English. So please join me at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com and get your copy of the new book, theartistappeals.com. All right. So you're an illustrator. That moves us nice and smoothly into the artist appeal system where we use the seven uh, letters of the word appeals to discuss art, product, presentation, educate, amplify licensing and contract terms in plain English and success measurements of success. So you're an illustrator. We met at AlexCon. Yeah. Yes, we did. I love that place. I love that show. It was really awesome. It was my first convention ever. And my first year being there, anything, it was crazy, but it was great. Really? Was it your first? I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, rock on. So what did, what's your big takeaway from it? Everybody else is scared as you are. Right. <laughs> no one else thinks that they should be there. I'm like, all right, really? Really? Okay. Um, and also, I really loved that I didn't feel a sense of competition or anything from everyone else. We're all just like, yay, we're artists. This is terrible. You know, and that was pretty much it. And everyone was very warm and friendly. And work yeah, I really love so it. Oh, good though. I can't believe I didn't know that this um, show was in my, essentially my backyard. It's like an hour, hour and a half, maybe from mm-hmm. me. And it's been there for years. Um, and even before that, when it was in Allentown, mm-hmm. I had no clue. I'm like, oh my God, how have I been missing out on this for years? Yeah, I I've heard about it for years. On me. <laughs> it's probably from the chair that, you know, is going to be. Yes, probably the chair that I'm going to fall through. (laughs) Cool. Cool. So you are science fiction and fantasy illustrator, or what are we calling that now? Illuminated realism. Is that, I call myself a fantasy artist. So, and I'm definitely an illustrator as opposed to a fine artist. So I've had to kind of like toe the line because gallery, because People just get confused if you can't hang it on a wall and put it in the frame. Well, let's define that. You know, you're very clear that you're an illustrator versus a fine artist. And I think a lot of people are curious, what's the difference? Um, One of the biggest searched terms out there is what is fine art? And that is, Mm -hmm. you know, such an esoteric question and, and um, yeah, connotation or what's the word I'm looking for? Like, how do you determine fine art? It's. Yeah, no, there's, there's no solid answer to that. I would say it's pretty ambiguous. 
Um, I, I think of it because I was in the illustration department in my school and the way we defined an illustrator was somebody who's trying to tell a story. Of course, many fine artists do as well, but an illustrator is often perhaps working for pay and it's their job that they are like, no, 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 I like nine to five, I'm an illustrator. And I'm sure there are fine artists who also operate that way, but in my school, they did not at all. And they said that we were commercial hacks, we're terrible. We actually didn't speak, there was a huge divide between us. Oh my God. And they were like, they put us with the graphic designers and we were the worst of the worst. And then, you know, they had their side of the building and then the printmakers hung out in the basement and didn't speak to anybody. So we called them the pod people. Uh, (laughs) it is so weird the way there is a division in the arts um you know this this kind of elitism or siloing as they say in business of this like oh well you're a graphic designer you sell your soul for money yeah (laughs) you work for the big corporation and you try and sell things no, I'd like to eat and pay my mortgage doing something that I love is that really that much of a problem like (laughs) Right. I, yeah, it never. I never think of it as selling out. And I know that people also get funny about because um, you were talking about it because I went to your lecture and I do have lots of notes about it. I think they're mostly in Max's notebook, but that's fine. And um, people get funny about like merchandising their work and putting it on different things. Yeah. And like there are certain pieces I won't merchandise a certain way, but otherwise I'm like, I don't really see what the harm in this is. Yeah, I don't think of it as selling out. I think of it as creating different revenue streams and making things that people will enjoy. And I I think that might be another illustrator thing. No, I love that perspective because you do have to make that that mind switch. Um, Mm -hmm. I think you have to accept that you have to have something you you can sell. But I like what you said about there are some things you won't put certain pieces on. And I think that's completely appropriate. If you know your target market, if you know what the work, who the work would resonate with, then you can figure out what type of product that work would like augment, would go on really mm-hmm. great. Like, so why put it on something it wouldn't work on? Like, yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you for coming to my presentation. I had a lot of fun doing that. <laughs> I was scared as hell. Oh, you didn't seem like it at all. Well, I do have. Oh, thank you. I have years of teaching experience. So I know just to make a fool of yourself and just get up there and do it, Um, you know, wave your hands wildly and act like you're going to try and fly off the stage and and you'll do fine. (laughs) You you did have wonderful gesticulation. I thought it was delightful. It's very like engaging. It was very theatrical. Thank you. (laughs) It's good. It was good. All right. So you are an illustrator. And you love painting and drawing goddesses and mythology. Hey, mm-hmm. do you have one? Show us something. You got one laying around there? I see some work in the back. Uh, I can't move the phone because it'll destroy the entire system. Oh, well, then that's I can get I can get fast, though. Hang on. She's right there. Oh, God. Don't look at the room. It's fine. It's fine. Oh. Is that a fur on your seat? That is a deer pelt. Yes. <laughs> Wow, I have a lot of animal warm. parts. It's it's life. I understand 
why people dressed in furs now. I collect them from antique stores because I don't want to support them being killed for me. That's terrible. But like they're yeah. already dead. Please use them. They're already there. You know, they need a home. So I have a lot of fur and skulls and whatnot. And people are like, oh my God. And I'm like, it's not like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so goddesses. I, oh, you probably cannot see this. No, she's I can't. upside down for starters. That's going to be a problem. Maybe she likes it. Though. I don't know. Um, so oh, people beautiful. keep thinking it's a Khajiit from Skyrim or that she's a furry. Um, Bast or Bastet is the ancient Egyptian goddess of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I love her. She is one of my favorites. I love it. Fantastic. No, she's beautiful. Thank you. Just hanging out there. Yeah. I also, I must admit, I do collect skulls. You can't see it, but I have up in, um, above my little thing, I have a bird like skull. Yeah. Oh, what kind of skull? A little tiny, tiny bird skull. Let me see. Oh. Here, I'll get it for you guys. You guys want to see my bird skull? It's really Nobody small. Wants to see a bird skull. It's really teeny tiny. Mm. And what it kind still of has, is it? I have no idea. And it still has some fuzz from the head. I like the fuzz. Yeah found it out hiking can you see that it's got a really That's long really cool. beak i don't know if it's like i don't know what it is it probably Anybody? eats insects then yeah somebody tell mm-hmm. me what kind of bird skull this is it's so light and so delicate mm-hmm. and right alongside of it i have another piece of wood that i found somewhere years and years ago that looks like the bird skull that's really cool i have a piece of wood like that too it's like a hagstone but it's wood Awesome. Can you see fairies through it? If you ask politely, <laughs> you always have to ask. Yes. Yes. So excellent. Um, so how did you come to your voice? How did you find your artistic style and your voice? I am like the wrong person to ask that question to because everybody told me I had a style or a voice and I'm like, that's nice. I do. I like, I just do what I do. And everyone's like, wow, you're so lucky that you like found your style so early. And I'm like, great. I literally have no idea. I just drew a lot of pictures <laughs> and studied archaeology and actually originally went to school for archaeology. And so like, there's my subject matter, you know. Well, I think that is, I think you answered the question indirectly there because you drew a lot of art and you studied archaeology. And that is something I've heard from the guests on the show over and over again, Mm -hmm. is that they do use references. And believe it or not, it's just so funny to me that, um, so I kind of come from a fine art background, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Like undergrad was fine art and Mm -hmm. then grad school was computer art. But we did a lot of traditional figure drawing and that type of thing. And it was never really discussed the commercialism or how to make money. How do you make money with fine art? It was like taboo, right? It's like the big elephant in the room, this question. How do you make money with art? Hence the podcast. Um, So when I've been talking to the artists and even you, everybody says, I draw a lot. I use a lot of references. So the whole going to archaeology and and as a fine artist, I always thought I wasn't almost like allowed to use references. Like I had to use a nude model and that was all you were allowed to use. Like incorporating things from museums never really occurred to me until recently talking to everybody. That's so odd. And I, I actually just got an email from a student at my old high school who I've been talking to because she 
is a brilliant artist and she's wonderful. And she's like, wait, I'm allowed to use reference. I thought that you weren't allowed to. And I'm like, who is telling you that? It's like That's this the un- thing I've ever heard. I was like, is it the art teacher? Cause I'll go, I'll take him down. Like I know him and I don't think he'd say that, but yeah. I- no, I think it's unspoken. I think it's like this unspoken rule that we kind of start thinking. I don't know where it comes from, but it's like this stereotype or something that we start to think, oh, well, if I'm using a reference, I'm copying and it's too easy or something. Because if you give me an object, mm-hmm. I can render it. That right. It just comes fairly naturally that if I have a thing to look at, I can paint it. I can draw it. Not a problem. Yeah. You know, especially if I draw a grid or use one of those techniques, mm-hmm. you know, use I've learned how to hold a pencil and calculate. Yeah. OK, there, there. OK, that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I loved having um, some of the different artists on like uh, Jane Davenport was talking about how she when she finishes a book, she goes mm-hmm. on a big vacation. This is what like her. I like that, yeah. 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 I love that idea. But then she uses a lot of stuff from wherever she goes to vacation from. So she'll mm-hmm. like obsessively research mm-hmm. Egypt and then start incorporating Egyptian goddesses mm-hmm. and painting style into her work. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Maybe it's the word appropriation um, that gets bandied about. In, in fine art appropriation, um, mm-hmm. cultural appropriation that you're not yeah. allowed. If yeah. you're, you know, if you're one culture, you're not allowed to mm-hmm. use icons, icons or, or, or styles or references from other. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where it comes from. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I think about cultural appropriation a lot because I paint deities from around the world. I yeah, <laughs> I love your mug. <laughs> Thank you. I love my mug too. I painted it at one of those ceramic places, but I'm not That's Latino. Great. So is it cultural appropriation for me to have a Day of the Dead skull mug? I don't know. I think you're appreciating it. I don't think you're claiming it as your culture or trying to spin a story off it to uh, say it belongs to your culture. I think that you're good. Well, thank but, you. Um, it, it, it is super tricky because I'm like I'm a blonde white girl I'm Polish and Irish and German yeah Uh, but I would like to not only paint deities who belong to those pantheons um yeah I actually kind of stuck to um Welsh and like Celtic myth for a bit because of that that was one of the reasons but also because I didn't know it very well and I'm like that's my background it's something I'd like to look into uh but I got messages from people who are like, you know, it would be nice to see brown people in your work too. And I'm like, I would love to do that. But I, I feel like as a white woman, I put, I'm like, when I'm making art, I'm putting my voice into my painting and I'm often painting women and my experience just isn't theirs. And I don't want to feel like, seem like I'm trying to claim that in any way. Cause I can't, I can't speak to that experience. I haven't lived that experience. I want to see yeah. what they have to say. And I'm so obviously I've been broadening my horizons and I'm like, no, you know what? I'm just going to do as respectfully as I can. And I've had a very positive response. That's good. But it's like, I felt really like, oh, about it. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. I, I get it. I proposed a book on Enso, which is the mm-hmm. Japanese tradition of painting circles to a book oh. company. And they said, no, we're afraid that's cultural appropriation. Oh. Cause you're not Japanese. I'm like, yeah, but 
it's a practice that's been around since the 1400s and it's a meditation. I think it's open to anybody. It is, it is super tricky. And I think that everybody draws the line at different places. And I'm just like, you know what, we're having the conversation. Let's keep having the conversation. I'm just excited that it's happening. And I agree, People, you know, like, even if I'm uncomfortable or nervous, well, good, maybe I should be. And that's a small price to pay for everyone being like, you know, I'm not comfortable with this. This is not okay. So I agree a hundred percent. Let's keep having that conversation. All right. Speaking of conversations and products, we were just talking about product with illustration. And I love the fact that people started asking you for more diverse goddesses and that you're doing that. Um, how is that translated to products? So you're an illustrator, you put your work on products. Um, what tips and advice and tricks would you love to share with anybody? about it um well that's funny you mentioned goddesses and we were talking about them specifically because they're the ones that i because i'm pagan and i worship several of them i will not print them on mugs for instance because to me that just doesn't feel right um the fey creatures mind you they don't they don't seem to care so i'm like you want a sticker you want a sticker of a fejal? I can make that happen. Like you want a mug, you want it on a calendar. I put together a calendar every year. I think it's really fun. I would not suggest printing mugs yourself unless you want to experience a world of pain and heartache, but that's like, that's a whole saga. Don't do that. We <laughs> actually, I had um, a lovely artist on named, um, oh, oh geez. Um, I have one of her mugs. Um, she's all over the internet. Oh, Jesus. Aaron. Anyways, I had a mug artist on and she does like five at a time. Um, and it's like right on the tip of my tongue, but yeah, she, she has said it's, you know, she's pulled it back to her because she didn't like the quality of mugs that people were doing. Um, I think you have to find products that feel right for you and your work. Right. Right. So Do you use print on demand. Uh, I actually print all of my own prints myself and I did nice. the mugs myself, which like, again, terrible. Um, I've just like found places to do things like stickers and buttons. And I want to get into more things because when you're out there at a craft fair and you've got all your stuff out, people want to see things at different price points and they want to see like different items that they can get excited about. And it makes a huge difference. So Great advice. That's what I've been spouting, man. You've got to have different products at different price points and different sizes and different things because not everybody has wall space. Yeah. And one of the things I learned in a store, like having a retail business was if you can give people options for something, it doesn't become like, will they buy it or not? It's, It's which one they'll buy. So the more options I can give them, the more they're like, oh, you have this. Oh, you have this. Oh, you have buttons. Oh my God, I love buttons. And then, you know, it goes downhill from there. But that's kind of the idea. And Do people really work. love buttons? They really like buttons. Really? <laughs> like little, little pin buttons, you know. I, I don't say pins because everyone's making enamel pins now and they're not pins. They're technically buttons. But, you know, yeah, people get excited. They put them on like their jackets and like on their bags and stuff. And I'm like, there's a cat skull on that. I'm glad you're happy. I'm happy too. I have never worn a button in my life. I don't think I also haven't. (laughs) 
I'm not I a pin type of girl. Things and on things. I put them I, in my purse, actually. Like I don't have any flair. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a reference to that movie. Um, have you got a case of the Mondays? Anyways. I don't have enough flair. Anyways, so yeah, having multiple products, that's great advice. Thank you, Amelia. Um, and that leads us to presentation. So you owned a store and you must have to have done a lot of displays and seasonal displays and switching it up. I think displaying is actually one of the hardest things as an artist that I've ever kind of tackled um, because it's another thing we don't really teach at the that's academic level. Them. Yeah, we, we, we teach the big white box mentality, put it white walls, white floor, white ceiling, lots of bright lights, two feet or three feet or more between every pace so that they are in isolation um, so that you can, you know, discuss the merits of the piece without any contextual references. Yeah, right. yeah. So, but um, in a store... And taking your work to a boutique store or to a bigger store is a whole different ball of wax. What would you say about um, creating displays and presenting your work? What's your best tips, tricks, advice for displaying work? So I definitely don't do the white wall and like thing alone in a box thing at all. I've always, because <laughs> for me, I get excited when I walk into a store and there's a lot going on. Like that thrills me. I want to discover things. And whenever I built a display, which honestly, I think I've just worked retail for too long, that <laughs> it's always been very easy for me. It just makes sense. And I'm like, yeah, display is fun. I love it. It's, it's like, it's like being Martha Stewart, but not being Martha Stewart at all. <laughs> and, you are the antithesis of Martha Stewart. Your pelt behind me. <laughs> it's a bear skull over there. It's fine. Ooh, I want to um, see that then. Yeah, I will show you. It's, it's really cute. I just got it. But, um, nice. right. but I think that there's a, there's a sense of like discovery. People want to get excited to find something. So when I make a display, I, I want them to first walk in and be like, whoa, and say, there's too much, which like everybody says, which I'm like, sorry, you're going to have to look for something then. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, so we have astrology prints over here and this goddess is here and this unseelie fae there and seelie fae there. And they're like, what, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. And then, you know, it becomes this whole experience. And, um, I also do put stories on the backs of my prints and always have, which you mentioned in your, I was like, everybody I've been trying to push everybody to do it I'm like you have to make a connection with them they yes. walk in they see the cool display they're like oh what's this now they're interested now they want to find something and when they find it they make a connection with it because they read the story and it yes. like resonates with them and you're like you should now buy it and they do hey so people buy stories just, it's the oldest yeah. form of communication I mean what have we been doing around a campfire for thousands of years telling stories right Right. It's how we connect. It's how we bond. I mean, I personally can't remember as a person's name unless they tell me a story. <laughs> I like that. I can't. I'm horrible at names, but tell me a good story and I'll remember you. You know, show me your artwork and I'll remember your artwork. Yeah. I don't know why I have that visual memory for the artwork and the person, but not for the name. I'm also I'm not great with names for me it's like oh you have a really cute dog I remember you it's like animal based 
Well, if you own dogs, which I do, and you walk dogs, then you know everybody by their dog's name. By their dog. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, your mouse yeah. is mommy. Exactly. I'm like, I have no idea who you are, but hey, cute dog. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you have to say about presentation, though, about making it um, like a little treasure hunt. I think yeah. that's fantastic. It, I, I can visualize it, this idea of almost like Baroque overwhelm, like, yeah, like it's too much. And then mm-hmm. that becomes a treasure hunt. Oh, well, yeah. what, what am I going to find in amongst all these little mm-hmm. treasures? And I collect, I actually, I made jewelry from antique parts for a while. So that became part of my aesthetic. And then I had lots of like, uh, I get vintage and antique boxes for my prints. I have like, yeah, old pieces from like the window display. I used to have, I I have like old empty frames that are falling apart and covered in lichen. Mm. And like, they're just so cool. So if I have a chance to like display with those, I'll take it. And um, yeah, animal bones, because I'm me. But like, yeah, it all just kind of comes together and it's, it's branding essentially. And it's, it's like, look, here's my voice. Here's my brand. Here's the thing. Here's the experience. Have fun. Go on an adventure. Yeah. And it seems to work. And so, um, is everything for sale then? Like even the display stuff or. If they want to fight me on it, if they're like, I will give you a thousand dollars for that. You really want to do that. You can have that lantern that I bought from my friend's store for $14. Like, all right. But generally I try to, if it's something I bought from somebody like the lanterns that people kept trying to buy in Salem this year, I was like, they're at my friend's store. It's called Sacred Circles in Gloucester. Please go there. Here is her card. Go. You know, but I they love can't that. buy my animal skills though. That's not, they're mine. No. Yeah. Those are, those are hard to find. And normally when I find them, there's a story behind them. You know, the animal skulls that I have, I've pretty much all found, like found, found. That's awesome. Yeah. My dog dug up a deer skull last summer or two summers ago with the actual antlers still attached, which I've never, and it's out on a ledge, um, outside and a bird built a nest in between the two antlers. I'll have to send you a picture. I have a really good one of this baby coming up and being like, you know, and it's like in that really weird stage where they're all eyeballs <laughs> and no fur. No. Or not fur, birds don't have furs, but um, <laughs> yeah. So, well, how do you get all that stuff to wherever you're going? Like, do you take it to conferences and set up these big oh. elaborate displays? Um, yes, <clears throat> it's horrible. And um, I've worked mostly, it's a lot of work. I've mostly done, um, like I said, craft fairs up until recently when it was like more like conventions and stuff. So, and they have to be local. Mm -hmm. And I, one of my students uh, calls herself my unpaid intern and she shows up in her Honda Fit and I have my Honda Fit. And usually we can get everything into two Honda Fits. Um, Yeah, we, Max and I were worried about a LuxCon. And we got a U-Haul to drive down to Pennsylvania. (laughs) It was ridiculous. I should not be allowed to drive a U-Haul for the record, like through Newark. Like, no, don't let me do that. Don't. <laughs> you made it. You're alive. You're good to go. We're, we're both alive and that's what matters. And the U-Haul is undamaged. I would call that success. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So you create these amazing presentations and then you use those as almost like a form of education for your, yes. for, for your audience. So yes. Seely Fay and Unseely Fay. Let's let's define that real quick for people because somebody might want to know. Inquiring minds might want to know. 
It's a more modern division of the Fay Court into summer and winter, essentially. And uh, the Sealy are supposed to be nicer, and the Unsealy are like the wild hunt, which are a problem. But honestly, they're both review apart. It's just one yeah. is like, I don't know, sunnier while they do it, and the <laughs> other one is snowier. Have you read the Dresden series? Mm-hmm. What? Everyone says I have to, and I'm like, I didn't know it existed. <laughs> Urban fantasy. Um, I bet it's good. I love that new genre. I love the mix of the modern with the mythology. It's fantastic. Definitely check out Dresden. Um, I think there's 14 of them. And okay. it has the Seelie Fae and the Unseelie. And, and he gets in a lot of trouble with them. And it becomes the <laughs> winter bet. night. Spoiler. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> it's way down the road. But my dog is named after one of the characters <laughs> in in Dresden. So check it out. Um, So educating your audience, stories on the back, Mm -hmm. creating kind of a treasure hunt in amongst Mm -hmm. the display. How else do you educate or communicate with your audience the story behind your art, particularly since your illustration is so story intensive? Any other tips or tricks or whatever you like to share? Like how do you approach social media or, or, you know, the digital world? Uh, I, I am not a fan of social media. Um, I, I mostly stick to Instagram with a little bit of Facebook. I am not good at making videos. So TikTok is just kind of a massive fail for me. I've been having to make reels. I just been doing speed paints and calling it a day, but people get excited when I post a, a deity or a fake creature. And I'm like, here's the story. And they're like, Whoa, you know? And I'm like, yeah, of course there's a story. Come on. So people are as excited to engage with it that way. Um, I have more control over the language and there's less, um, well, uh, I think they're cool, you know, than there is in person, which is nice. I sound way more intelligent. (laughs) It's always a plus. Right, right, Um, right. I get it. I also, because I write so many stories to go uh, with all the paintings, I publish a little booklet, like a little self-published booklet of art and stories once a year. And oh, I also nice. throw those at people and like push those on social media. Cause I'm like, you know, this is an excerpt from like Liminality One. It's available on my Etsy. Nice. I like that. That's a good, really sneaky. no, but it's a cross promotion. It's not even sneaky. Mm-hmm. It's like um, in business, they call that a cross sell. I guess that would be okay. a cross sell. So it's the idea of when somebody's interested in one thing, you can mm-hmm. offer them something associated with it. You know, in the fine art world, it would be if you buy a print, oh, would you like it framed? Or, mm-hmm. you know, if um, you're in the facial uh, makeup realm, oh, well, you just bought, um, you know, eyeliner. Do you want mm-hmm. a matching mascara? You know, okay. or this yeah. kind of cross sell. So I don't think of it that way at all. If you've got a book of stories, and one of the images is in that book of stories, then it's a cross sell. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, this is associated. This is where it came from. Um, do you want the whole package? <laughs> yeah. If you have no wall space, for instance, which a lot of people don't, I'm like, there's a book that I got you. And they're like, oh, no. You know, it's great. I love that because I collect books. I love books. I love signed books in particular, limited mm-hmm. edition signed books. I collect them for my artists. So I might have to have one of yours now. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Don't worry, I've got three. 
<laughs> oh, this is as good a place as any. Where can we get one? Give us your address. If we want to connect um, with you on social media yes. and get your book, tell me. Well, all of my things are on my Etsy because Etsy actually eventually worked out for me, which is great. And it's under all malaria, A-M-E-L-U-R-I-A, which Wait, like do started being my brand. A-M-E-L-U-R-I-A. Cool. But if you look up Amelia Leonard's, I will come up. And um, on Facebook, I'm Amelia Royce Leonard's artist because my middle name is Royce and it's a really cool name. And uh, on Instagram, I'm just Amelia Leonard's art. Very cool. Very cool. Have you made... Have you made one of those, um, what are they called? They're called a link tree. Have you tried that yet where you have one of those? It's on my Instagram that links to everything. Fantastic. So, you know, that's a little tip and trick guys. Um, so if you have a Instagram and you have all these different addresses, because maybe you're, you know, like your domain name has to be a bit longer because Mm -hmm. somebody stole yours or something like that happened to me once. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Another story, another time, but never let your domain name expire because a bot will pick it up. Um, yeah, you can create what's called a link tree now, which is one link that goes to all your links in one spot. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in some places you can only have the one link, like Instagram's like, that's it. It's all you get. And you're like, well, I guess it's going to be a link tree because now they're all there. Yeah. Again, I feel sneaky. Why do you feel sneaky? I don't actually feel sneaky. I just like saying it. Mm, well, <laughs> fair sneaky. You, you know that's why. Yes, <laughs> yes. But it's a good sneaky. It's like a. It's a good sneaky. Though to be fair, we are even illustrators are perhaps discouraged from outright asking for money for your work. Like in a situation like this, like on Etsy or on Instagram, like yeah, from a client, sure, but you're not, you know. It's, it's one thing to do that. Another to be like, I have this print, buy it at people. It does make you feel guilty, even with all of the business of art training. Amazing, isn't it? It, it is really something. Hmm. Well, we are fighting to overcome that. Hi there. And I just want to take a quick second to thank you for listening to the podcast. I did this podcast just randomly and for free and out of the blue because I had the question, how do you make money with your art? I wanted to know. I was teaching college for 12 years and then I started my own business and I think it's a question that we don't answer and we don't ask. It's the big elephant in the room. How do you make money as an artist? So I have taken all of these interviews over five seasons, all these amazing creatives, and I've compiled a book. That's right. There is now a book, The Artist Appeals, How to Make Money as an Artist in Seven Steps. So if you would like a gorgeously illustrated book with all of the best tips, tricks, quotes, stories, even some um, processes for how to create commissioned artwork, and even some stories of what not to do, mistakes that I have made and you don't want to make in your career, then please join me at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com and get your copy of the new book, The Artist Appeals, How to Make Money as an Artist in Seven Steps. So just visit howtomakemoneywithyourart.com and get your copy today. Thanks a lot. All right. So art, product, presentation, 
educating with story folks. You've heard it here over and over again. Use those damn stories. Amplification. How do you do more without doing more? How do you do more with doing less? Because we are all so overwhelmed for time. Like doing the art and then promoting the art is is more than a full-time job. Yeah, it's two full-time jobs. And honestly, that's something I'm trying to figure out. I don't have an answer. I'm trying to find that balance because I've only been working full-time like this um, since the beginning of 2019, like it's recent. Right. And yeah, someone had told me, they're like, you know, you only spend like 40% of your time actually painting and like 60% of the time marketing and doing all the other business things. And I was coming to it having owned a small business. So I was like, I understand how much work that is. And I, I know how horrific that can get. So at least I had some preparation for it, but yeah, I, I liked what you said actually in your presentation when you were like, oh, you need to make like a reel or a video. So just, just whatever you're doing right then that's already happening, make that into the reel or video that you're going to share. Then you're not going out of your way to make yeah. more content, like use what you already, and I was like, that's brilliant. I'm going to do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> so thank you. doing that <laughs> and it has made it a lot easier. I really do think you have to incorporate the marketing part into the creation part, because I know that I've had problems where I've actually found myself only doing marketing and not creating at all. And then you start to go la la and you get pissy. And, you know, so that's why I did that three years of Enso Mm -hmm. was because I was like, I have got to get back to creating and it's going to have to be something fast, easy and minimalist or else I'm going to kill my family. (laughs) Yes, I totally understand. Um, I used to make jewelry for that reason, because it was a creative outlet that was quick, that it wasn't painting, but I was not in a situation where I could paint. So it was like making something. Right. And that helped. Yeah. Yeah. After I had two boys and when they were really little, I couldn't do anything elaborate. I couldn't go hiking and and do my photography. I couldn't do Mm -hmm. any art journaling or anything elaborate. They get their hands in it, you know, every five minutes. Mommy, I need this or you got to nurse the baby or I need my diaper potty or accidents or oh, God. Um, So, yeah, you got to find something quick and easy. And minimalism turned out to be really challenging art form yeah Um, I would think so honestly it is it's a lot harder than you think keeping it to that minimalism is like Mm -hmm. I I just want to keep going you're like yes it's it's so good like that but 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 it's too people won't think it's art because it's minimalist it's uh, it's a conundrum it's it's a real psychological challenge I think have you read Bluebeard by Kurt Vonnegut no, I haven't. I, I know I have a friend that's been yelling at me for years to read more Kurt Vonnegut, and I just he's wonderful. It. But um, Bluebeard in particular is literally about being an artist. So, like you, every artist should read it. It's really important. It's an amazing book. Um, but uh, the main character is trained as a realist, a hyper realist illustrator, and he okay. ends up being an abstract expressionist. And at some point, he talks about how much more difficult it is to be an abstract expressionist for him. Because when you're a realist illustrator, there are so many pieces, so many things you're gonna be putting into the piece that, you know, if you make a little mistake over here, 
no one's going to notice. They're looking over there and there and there and there. And it's the piece as a whole. But as an abstract expressionist, he was painting in a very minimalistic style. He's like, I've got these three lines I can play with. And that's it. I have to build an entire composition out of these three lines. And that is hard. And I was like, oh. And I actually hated abstract expressionism up until that point. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, I get it. All right, that's fine. That's really valid. To okay. that. that is you really, really it's amazing. Too. It's so good. I just Please bought like it. six I, books yesterday. Now I'm going to have to get another one. You, you have been spoiling me. I bought the two books no. you recommended <laughs> and I started one of them. And then I went oh, and at the bookstore the other day and bought a bunch more of like, but it's good to have some fiction books. Um, Cause I, I haven't been reading a lot of fiction. So art product presentation, educate with story, amplify by uh, making part of the creation process, the marketing process. And I do think that is one of the hardest things to do. Um, you know, you just had to come up with a plan, right? I mean, to, I, I can't even talk. Um, well, I mean, I do the, I use the podcast. Actually, here's a tip. Um, I use the podcast to make these videos, right? And then I'm using a software now called Lately. It's trylately.ai and it's a um, artificial intelligence software that is supposed to look at the comments in your social media and create a Mm -hmm. word cloud. So it takes the comments, creates a word cloud, right? You're familiar Mm -hmm. with that idea. And then Mm -hmm. it looks at the most popular phrases and it matches it to your video or your audio. Um, You can use either or, and then it pulls snippets from your video or from your audio or from your text if because essentially if you're doing video or audio it creates a transcript so it converts it into text um and it basically it basically um matches those word clouds to the words in your content and pulls the snippets and tries to find what would be most popular so fascinating software created by a woman and very modern um, so that's kind of how I've been using bigger content, uh, the uh-huh. podcast, to yeah. make smaller content. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I think I do remember you also mentioning that. And I was like, wow, <laughs> the presentation. I'm like, that's a thing. They can do that now. They can. Give oh. it a try. <laughs> it's interesting. But I love the fact that you're doing reels and, and stuff like that on Instagram, because I was doing Instagram for about three years. And. Um, the reels and the whole TikTok thing has kind of thrown me for a loop. I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant because it's like, you have to create it on their platform, right? Yep. They're like all these dumb little rules too, like about the ratio, like it has to be like two, three, and, you know, and I feel they see a border, they'll kind of suppress it. They won't show it as much. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Don't, lame. No border. Yeah, very lame. Cause all mine had borders. That's how I found out. <laughs> oh, but uh, lots of trial and error. And um, also if it's shorter, because uh, it goes views are counted when somebody sees the whole reel, they have to finish it. So if your reel is only seven seconds long, the likelihood of it being finished is much higher. And then that pushes up the views, which makes the algorithm like it more and share it more. It's like I, I spend way too much of my life, like staring at the Instagram algorithm and wondering why right? and trying to figure it out. It's like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like talking to an insane person and trying to make sense of everything. <laughs> it's just, there's nothing. It's just, you're like, no, no, you're just crazy. It's fine. 
<laughs> no, that's a great tip though. So shorter videos on Instagram video. perform better. They do. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. And- if you find a way to do it all in one place and put it everywhere else, let me know. Cause that's what I really want is a way to like, do right. like with lately I can do mm-hmm. these and then I can push little snippets to all the other social media platforms, but you mm-hmm. still can't push the video clips to Instagram reels. You can only push it to, I think straight up Instagram. And there's like a limited number of mm-hmm. social media platforms. And it's just frustrating. It's like, Oh, you know, how do you hit them all? You can't. You'll hear a lot of people say that you just need to focus on one. And at this point, I think it's good advice, although I'm trying still to figure out a way to do it all. (laughs) That's the kind of obsession I get. Like, how do I do it all? How do I hit them all? Mm. It's like a Mm -hmm. little puzzle that I in my brain that I'm like, I got to figure this out. It sounds like that big spreadsheet that you showed us. Yes, that is what I imagine the inside of your head is like at all times. (laughs) So (laughs) that makes sense to me. I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, the spreadsheet, it is a thing. I have been working on that for a long time and I definitely... It's for me, it's the answer. For some people, it would be like, oh my God, what the hell is she doing? But for me, it's like how to organize. Okay, how do you organize all this? Because otherwise my brain just freaks out and is like a hamster on a wheel spinning. Yeah. Yeah. If I have it written down somewhere, because I'll just panic about not remembering it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to forget it. I have these things to submit to. I have this to deal with. I have to mail this to this person. And they didn't order on Etsy. Of course they ordered on Instagram. Thanks. Great. Now I have to remember to find an address over there. And it's just like everywhere. And there's so many little tiny pieces that if I just take five minutes in the morning to like, be like, this is what I need to do today. These are the things that I can like take a deep breath and relax and not be scared of not remembering. Like that organization is so important. It is for me. It's a great tip. You know, I think artists need to hear that is that it's okay to be organized. That stereotype of being a flaky artist, it, it doesn't work. It'll drive you crazy. So how do you organize? Like, do you bullet journal or how do you organize? So I have, um, like a weekly planner. So it's like, okay, here's like what I'd like to get done realistically each day. So I know that, all right, that will be finished by the end of the week. And then I have like a notes thing in my phone where it's like, all right, this is today. And I have another notes for, I have too many, where it's like, these are the overarching big things you need to do. And here are the dates that are associated with them because I don't have your Excel skills. So I have to make do with notes. And then I have like a calendar, one of mine, of course, and it's over there. And I can turn and look and be like, ah, that. Oh no, that is due. So it's like the month view, the week view, and then here's like the day. And then there's the broad overview hovering in the background of like, you know, that submission thing is coming up like in a month or so. Just for, you know. Oh, I love it. So you use a paper calendar on the wall for the annual. And then that's, that's, it's totally legit, you know, whatever works for you. And I mean, that's why I made the spreadsheet and said, Hey, if anybody wants to use this, you're welcome to get it. I mean, it's on the, it's on the artist appeals website, people. Um, you're welcome to check out this massive spreadsheet that I made. That is the, it's a calendar. It's just a calendar of the whole year and when the different conferences are. Mm -hmm. And then, because I know a lot of people aren't into making the spreadsheets I already made it. Um, (laughs) but I do the same thing as you. I actually have over here behind my computer, I have a big month 
and it's got, you know, the month, it's got today and it's got like the week mm-hmm. on it. And I just got it from Michael's and it is really yeah. nice to be able to glance at it and see the month right there. Um, or I had an annual one over on the refrigerator over there, mm-hmm. um, fell down. I have to retape it up and I've, I've got a one that I just made. It's just a piece of paper that's laminated. It has January, February, March, April, May, you know, the year mm-hmm. and just kind of some of generals, some of the big, mm-hmm. big things per month. So, but I, I feel like I use so much mental power, what little of it there is, uh, worrying <laughs> and being terrified about deadlines and being scared. I'm going to forget something, but then I can't focus on my work. So why don't I just try to take that out of the equation entirely so I can focus on my work and trying to figure out the Instagram algorithm, right? Nobody can do that. I'm still trying. Yeah. So it's good advice. Take what you can out of your brain, put it on paper and it'll help. Yeah, definitely. All right. And finally, finally licensing and contract terms. So, um, as an illustrator and making products, have you had much experience like with licensing and contracts or is that something you want to get into? Um, I have had, I don't, no, I haven't really had licensing experience. I have been working like very up until recently, it's been all like private commissions and okay. I, that there are contracts involved with that, of course, because sometimes it's for like, it'll be like a, an artist approaches me as like, Hey, I have a CD coming out and I'd like to use your work for the cover. And I'm like, all right, we need a contract. Boom, move on. Um, don't sell <laughs> my work on anything else, please. without telling me. Um, I recently got to do some work for uh, two independent gaming companies that are like, like board game gaming. Cool. So that was, but again, it was mostly just, it was contract, you know, and I trust them and they're great. And it was really fun. Cause it's, you know, so like, well, no, let's talk card about and it's got my painting on it. And I'm like, Oh, Fantastic. let's talk about those contracts. Those are really cool gigs. And I think that's what everybody <laughs> dreams of and aspires to is, you know, working with a board game or working with mm-hmm. um, an artist to put your work on their album. And you mentioned you use contracts and it is so important. I think artists are afraid of contracts. So what do you look for in your contracts? Like what advice um, would you give? Well, the first thing I would say is that if somebody hands you a contract, they are expecting you to edit it. Like they don't, that's, don't think it's like set in stone or like, oh, I can't accept these terms. Like, great, you can't accept them, then edit it and send it back. And everyone I've worked with is super open to doing that. And I've sent out contracts and they're like, hey, can I edit this and send it to you? I'm like, yeah, of course. We're we're coming to an agreement. Why would I not want to do that? It's protecting me and you, it's protecting everybody. Um, I... I personally am not so great at just like pulling a contract out of my butt and being like, here it is. <laughs> but my mother who was a botanist, but also worked in the telecommunications industry, worked specifically uh, with contracts and dockets and stuff for the FCC. So she was like, I got this. And I was like, okay, so this is the part she did help me with. And so she wrote like a base contract out that was um, kind of modeled on things she had found floating around the interwebs. And now I use it and can adapt it and change it for whatever I need. And like I said, I'm expecting there to be edits to it when I hand it out to somebody and that's all well and good and helps everybody. I can't imagine not having a contract unless you were really good friends with the person. 
No, great advice. So number one, have a contract. Number two, don't be afraid to ask for changes and edit it. And number three, have a base contract. I love that idea. There are a lot of websites out there now where you can find examples or downloadable templates Mm -hmm. for contracts. Yeah. 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 Really great advice. Guys, don't be afraid of contracts. Use them. The commission process, um, you've Mm -hmm. done a bunch of commission work as an illustrator. Uh, Can you just walk us really quick through what your process would be? I've asked this Mm -hmm. of a couple other artists and I love their answers. It's been so educational for me um, because the commission process, I, I didn't, I think, understand it. Um, before, and it seems to me that it's a really great way to make money. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I think everybody Um, should kind of have this in place, like a process that they can use. So, and every, all of the different artists have a slightly different process for creating commission work. So tell us about yours. So the first thing to establish is if they're asking you to paint a picture of their house or not, because if they are, the answer is just Um, no. Um, when people approach me, actually, I try to answer as ambiguously as possible because, uh, who knows what they they always, they never say, I want you to do this. I have this great idea. They say, Hey, I want you to do a commission and I'll tell you what it is. So my reply is always, Oh, that's, that's so interesting. I I might be available. It depends entirely on your budget and the timeframe in which you need it. And if your idea fits into what I do, which I was, I used to be too scared to ask that. And that's dumb. Don't be too scared to ask that. Um, don't come to me to paint your house. It's not going to happen. Um, I'm not bitter. I'm fine. Unless but, you could um, turn your house into a fairy house. It better not have any like right angles in it. It will have to be organic and made out of a log. And then, yeah, sure. I'm very happy to do that. I paint a lot of tree <laughs> doors. It's fine. Uh, but not like Cape Cod style house in a hill. Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Three. I love that answer, though. Yes, if the time... Yeah. The budget, budget and the style all fit with me. That's fantastic. And I try to get them to tell me what their budget is instead of like spewing a number at them because A, I just want to know I might lowball myself and I don't want to do that. But also B, I find out if they're serious or not. So they're like, well, I've got $20. And I'm like, we're not, no, like I can't help you. <laughs> but if they're like, okay, well, my budget is up to like this. It's, I say it's like $200 and I'm like, okay, well, I don't do anything for less than 150. Um, and then I have example pieces of like this piece cost 200. This piece would be 500. This piece would be 1,200. And like people really appreciate having the visuals. Cause I can say if there's a full background and it's the size, you know, depending on the complexity of the background, it's going to be this. But when they see it, they're like, oh, there are bunnies dancing behind her and a lot of trees. I bet those bunnies took time. Okay. I get it. I love that. Um, That's a great tip. I've never heard that before of commissioned work examples and, and scaled. That's fantastic. What a great idea. Thank you. It's super helpful for everybody involved. And, um, yeah. So, okay. I've established that they have a budget, which is always good that they want something to happen. That is something that I can actually paint. And, um, then it's like, you know, timeline wise, I say, cause usually I have several commissions or at least some project that I'm working on. I can very rarely take it like that second. So I'm like, dude, if you want it for Christmas, like 
a guy recently did ask me, I'm like, that is not going to happen. I am really sorry. Um, bold of you to ask, but you know, no. Um, but he was actually like, I really want the thing. So, you know, if you're still available in the spring and I'm like, yes, but I need a down payment now, because if you want to like reserve that space ahead of time, I'm going to reserve that for you, but you need to give me like 50 to hundred dollars just right now. Right. And then I will put your name in because people just forget or they decide they don't want to, and they don't necessarily tell you. And there you are sitting around thinking I've got four commissions lined up. We've got no down payments on any of them, no agreements or anything. And then they all fall through and you could have been scheduling other work at that time. And that makes me crazy. Right. And literally nobody has had a problem with a down payment. They're like, oh, of course, of course I would do that. Right. Right. That's brilliant. I love it. So get a down payment, have a contract in place and schedule it out. You're so business minded. I, I love it. <laughs> I promise. Oh, I made the mistake one time of thinking that I was getting this big wholesale order for my craft company. I connect crafts and they said, we're going to want this many, but I didn't get that down payment. And I went and bought all the mini brads. Now, fortunately it wasn't a huge issue, but they came back and were like, no, we're going to take like half of what we said we were going to take. And I ended up uh -uh. with all these extra mini brads and I'm like, God damn it. So never buy supplies, never count on a commission until you get mm -hmm. that money. Don't buy supplies until you've got a down payment. So you do take half or a third. I've heard some artists say they'll do half up front and half at the time of delivery. I've heard other mm -hmm. people split it in thirds, whether they'll do like a third um, in the beginning, mm -hmm. and then they'll do a third when the design is, uh, accepted yep. and then a third yep. at the end when the final product, like, how do you split it up? It depends on the client and who I'm working with and what the budget is, because if it's like, if there's like a, you know, this is going to be a thousand dollar painting. And I have a person who's like, I can pay you a hundred dollars a month for the next year. I'm like, all right, I will not begin work on it until I have received X amount of money. And you absolutely will not get it, of course, until you have fully paid me. And that's always worked for me and been fine. If it's like a smaller budget, then I'm like, yeah, you want to give me $50? Great. I, <laughs> I, uh, I was in a situation at a, a Comic-Con where I was um, approached by a drunken woman dressed as Harley Quinn, who really <laughs> in that moment needed me to paint a picture of her parrot and was very like, she's like, no, this is it. And I'm like, all right. And she was like, how do we do this? And I'm like, well, you give me a down payment. She's like, how much? And I'm like, she might not remember this in the morning. Just ask her for 20 bucks. Cause this is just, that would be mean otherwise. So I was like, just, just spend my $20. It's fine. And then if she forgets and she doesn't want to do it, she's only lost $20. Right. Right. She actually did email me back like a few weeks later and she's like, so parrot. And I'm like, well, I'm going to need pictures of the bird also, but yes, I can do that. <laughs> I can't believe she remembered. I was really excited. She remembered. I'm like, yeah, I'll paint your parrot. That's great. I love animals. <laughs> but I like that she was, she was dressed as a, uh, like, she looked like a French maid and Harley Quinn came together. And then she had a sim symbol above her head. And it was red, of course, you know, like the red diamonds. And I was like, there's a lot going on here. I love it. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> And were you like, uh, I'd really like to paint you. I, you know, I didn't know what would happen if I said that <laughs> considering, you know, everything else. So <laughs> I'd like you to paint my parents. She was beautiful. I absolutely would paint her, but you know, maybe not with the sim thing. I don't know. Oh, that's fantastic. <sighs> and so you just use Vim Vimo, Vim Vimeo. That was a, that was a Venmo moment. <laughs> 
Venmo. Um, Venmo. People use PayPal Venmo. or Venmo. Yeah, yeah, I do PayPal. I I haven't done Venmo much. I've done the PayPal. I should probably get the Venmo set up. Um, yeah, so I you just have it. them. Yeah. Why? For a long time. Just because I'm, I don't know, I feel old. And I was like, <laughs> kids are using Venmo. And all my students were like, get a Venmo. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Right, right. All right. And so finally, S for success, we have covered art, product, presentation, educating your audience with story, amplifying through whatever means you can, whether it be physical or digital, licensing and contract and commissions. And now we're on to success. And I always like to kind of ask this one. I actually kind of came up with acronym appeals and then I ended up tacking this S on the end because I was like, Mm -hmm. we really need to talk about monikers and defining like success measurements and celebrating it. I find so many artists, we just go, 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 go. We like Mm -hmm. create, create, create. We sell a piece and then we like downplay it. We're like, oh yeah, I sold a piece. It's whatever. (laughs) I did that the other day. Yeah, no, I totally, I was like, it's fine. And we don't celebrate it. We don't stop to be like, yeah, dude, I sold a piece. Rock on. You know, we we don't. No, you're right. And we don't take time for ourselves. So how do you define success for you, you personally, and how do you celebrate it when you hit those defining moments? Um, I mean, on a smaller scale, <laughs> being able to pay the mortgage is a success. <laughs> Eating for another day. Um, yeah, no, uh, selling paintings is exciting. I don't celebrate it like I should. I think I should start celebrating it. Yes. Um, but I've always had like a very specific thing in my head of what would make me successful or what I perceive as success for myself. And it's a two-parter and only one of them has happened yet. Okay. So, what is it? Are you, do you want to share? I oh, yeah. know. It's a little weird, but um, <laughs> I need the validation, I guess, of the schools that I went to. I need them to validate that I made a good life decision and invite me back to speak to the students about the life decision that I have made. So that to I me love is that. Like success. So I actually did get to go back to my high school. I went to a super intense uh, all girls private college prep school. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. It's um, it's a fascinating place. I did not fit in at all. But <laughs> I everyone, bet you didn't. <laughs> not at all. But everybody was super nice. So it was okay. Um, but, you know, I'm still friends with the librarian there because he's great. And he was like, I've got a bunch of like misfit art kids and they like would love to meet you and just hear you talk. So I got to like go back and it was a thing and they like advertised it. They were like former student. And I'm like, they shunned me. You see, when I gave up Egyptology and then went to art school, suddenly they stopped talking about me. So now I feel like I've like won my parents favor back or something. I um, get it. I get it. I really, really do. It's a thing. It's a thing. And then you know, in a perfect world, I would also get to go back to my college and do that. And actually I did meet an illustration professor from my college at a recent fair. And he was like, would you like to come in and talk to them about what you're doing? Because they have this romantic idea about it and I want you to break them. And I'm like, I will break them. So <laughs> maybe it'll get to happen. Oh, that would be <laughs> awesome. I wish that somebody had come to my school and talked about the reality of the business world and the art Me world. Too. And and that, you know, you should go take some business classes because they didn't teach right? shit about 
running a business or paying the bills, paying the mortgage, making money, putting food on the table. They sure as heck didn't. And they don't teach you that self-confidence of, you know, standing up and saying, Mm -hmm. this is what I need to live and still do this for you. People are like, it's a gift. You should give it for free. Right. And you're like, it's literally a skill that I have developed over decades and it is not a gift. Yeah. And, um, there's like that. And then also I, I feel like the fine artists in particular, like you guys got zero discussion of business. Zero. I hear it from Straight fine artists up. a lot. Oh, and yeah. uh, we got a little bit, we had a class senior year that was um, business oriented, which was great. But then they actually did a business of art class after I graduated. And I went back and took it like as a continuing ed class because we were testing it out. And the whole room just like lost it. Like a man from the IRS came in and was like, this is how you do your taxes. My wife is an artist. Let me teach you. And we're like, why isn't this required in every single college everywhere? I don't understand. We all just got mad by the end of the week. We were like, why is this not required? Yes. We had a portfolio development class and it was like, here's how you put together a portfolio and take it to a gallery and present it. But what if that's, that's like a percent of being a fine artist and also like what, there are so many fine artists and other artists that like, that's not the route they're going to take. That's just one little tiny facet. And it's a very important, useful thing to know. And that's great, but that's not like, you can't just do that and say we covered it. Yeah. No. Makes me mad. (laughs) Right. And that's hence welcome to the artist appeals folks, because here we ask the hard questions. How the hell do you make money as an artist? That is the big elephant in the room we're trying to address. Um, So, yeah. And okay. You didn't tell us how would you celebrate? You don't celebrate enough. How much, how would you celebrate if you really let's, let's get it out of you. Let's make you come up with, well, (laughs) well, no, I know what I would do. It's just, okay. If I, if I was behaving, I would be like, so, oh, please don't be a well-behaved woman. We're going to do all of it. If I was behaving, it would just be like, I lose myself in the woods for a day because that's woman my after thing. my own heart. Yes. Right. Um, if, oh, me too. It's so great. I just, I like to get really lost and whoever's with me is always very concerned that we are now actually lost and we have gone off road. They call it Druid off-roading and there I'll be like, there's a path. And my friends are like, is it a path or is it a Druid path? And I'm like, it's called trailblazing. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I helped mark the trails at a um, nature conservancy right up the mountain from us. This uh-huh. nature conservancy bought and preserved this mountain. And they were like, we're looking for local people that may know uh-huh. the mountain. And I'm like, oh, that would be me. Um, <laughs> been hiking that mountain, even though there's no trespassing signs for the last five years. Nobody else goes up there. Why shouldn't I? I'll show you all the old logging trails. I'll show you how to get to the ridge. <laughs> I'll show you where the views are. And I did. And, and it was fantastically fun. Yeah. But that would be behaving. <laughs> if I wasn't behaving, I would be like bottle of wine or mead and like beach. Cause I live near the beach and oh, just nice. like until 2am things get really weird on the beach at 2am. Just so you know, like it's yes. very bizarre. Yes. And uh, as many cannolis as I can <sighs> realistically eat. You make because, uh, No, I, besides I wouldn't, even if I did, they would not be as good as what I can get here because Gloucester has a, a incredible Italian population that makes incredible food. Yes. And we have, as far as I'm concerned, our cannolis are, I think Virgilius is better than the North End. Like in Boston, those are fighting words, but I think that they're true. I have, I have sampled cannolis around and Virgilius. Yeah. 
My dad's side of the family is Italian, so I love a good cannoli. I really do. I bought some in New York many, many years ago. I went to New York City, bought a dozen or two dozen cannolis and brought them home or was planning on bringing them home. And they never really made it home. No, my fiance, my hus- now husband at the time, started eating them and they didn't really make it home. And then we had dinner with my grandmother, my Italian New York grandmother. And he was talking about how fantastic the cannolis are. And I'm <sighs> kicking him under the table going, shut up, shut up. And yes. she rounded on him and she's like, right. You went to New York City, bought cannolis and didn't bring me any. <laughs> He's lucky to be alive. <laughs> he really is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you got to send me some cannolis because I'm in Pennsylvania and I the know, cannolis so here, there's some, but they're kind of like laugh luster. No, I, I wouldn't think that that's like where Pennsylvania shines really would be cannolis. I don't... No, no. Yeah. No, very good. Well, do you make your own mead? By the way, I got to ask that one more too. I have a friend who has a meadery. So, a meadery. Yeah, it's a great name. Yeah, oh, I had some, and where did I? No, I think I took it away because I did the label design for it too. He got oh. he did, let me do two flavors, and one of them was chocolate raspberry. And he was like, "Well, I thought of you," and I'm like, "Yeah, I bet you did. That sounds right." <laughs> so, <laughs> I'd love to see your labels. Where can we see those labels? It's Dragonfire Meadery. Oh, yeah. Um, they're getting there. I think that I'm not sure if my flavors are up on the website yet. Chocolate raspberry and elderberry, but they're good. They're, I got so many bottles, not just because my art was on them. Was but that in like, the contract? <laughs> yes, actually, it was. He paid me in like money and mead, and we split it. <laughs> Fantastic. No, that is a great old fashioned way to do things, you know? It, Defraise the cost for the client and you get a little something on the side. Yeah. Yeah. You should always get like sample product, right? Yeah. I'm like, look, if my art's on it, I already knew it was fantastic, but I'm like, if my art's on it, I really want to make sure it's like, so send me like six of them, please. I need six bottles to go through before I can tell you if they're like, really, (laughs) he's very patient, (laughs) which is nice. One of um, my friends, a former student alumni and now friend was on, I think the first season, Ashley, and she's got this really cool um, company where she makes infused lip balms. So she makes lip balms that she goes to wineries and meateries and coffee roasteries and they give her sample product and she always asks for extra. So they'll be like, oh, well, you're going to infuse she makes their custom labeled. So she infuses the lip balm nice. into, you know, cruelty-free waxes and oils mm-hmm. and whatever, and makes the lip balm and then makes a label that is for the, the winery or the meadery. Mm-hmm. And then they sell the, the lip balms awesome. there. Um, but she always asks for extra. So she's always like, yes, I'll need six bottles of that uh, <laughs> walnut toffee coffee uh, oh. whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And they're like, oh, really? You need all six? She's like, all all of them. All yep. Six. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, always get a little extra for sampling. Well, very mm-hmm. good. Well, thank you, Amila. Thank you for being on The Artist Appeals. I appreciate so much. Where can people find you again? Ah, okay. Um, Facebook is Amelia Royce Leonard's artist. Instagram is Amelia Leonard's art. And the Instagram does have the link tree. So just throw it out there. So go to the Instagram first and go to the just Instagram. follow you on everything else. 
everything else, the Etsy, and there's there's a website with a mailing list that might be going off into the ether that I have to work on. I don't know what's going on there. It's fine. Oh, that is don't, the challenge. It's a challenge. <sighs> Emails. Yeah. I don't like the emailing thing. That is my biggest conundrum. I feel like I'm spamming people when I email them. Do you feel that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've only been doing it for a little bit and I already feel like a major asshole. And I just am like, you know what? At the top, I'm like, please feel free to leave. Whenever you want to leave, just go. <laughs> I'm not holding you here. Yeah, please don't be offended if I email you. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hard one. I think that's something we have. I like that you just put a disclaimer right at the top. Oh yeah, at the top. <laughs> that works. That's well, it kind of defrays the whole thing. It makes it like, hey, it's okay. Don't bother mm-hmm. telling me, just go. Don't rip me. Go, just leave. <laughs> Leave, walk out the door. Don't mm-hmm. turn around now, cause you're not welcome. Not welcome anymore. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I have really enjoyed this, and um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. For- I want to thank you for listening to the Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed these episodes. I've recorded these free of charge to anybody. But if you'd like to buy something, we do now have a book for sale. That's right. (laughs) I'm so excited. I actually wrote a book with a little help from our guests. I took the transcripts from the first two seasons and I combed them line for line to find the best quotes, the best stories, the most actionable advice on how to make commissioned artwork and all sorts of things. And I put them all in a book. Combine them with my experiences. I even put in some don't do this, make this mistake type of articles. And We've made it into a gloriously beautiful, colorful, fully illustrated, with lots of pictures and lots of examples book. You can check out the book at howtomakemoneyasanartist.com. That's right. That's the domain name, howtomakemoneyasanartist.com. You can get to it from the Artist Appeals dot com as well but just visit how to make money as an artist.com to order your copy of the new book the artist appeals i'm very proud of it and i think you're gonna love it thanks for joining me on the artist appeals and i'll talk to you soon bye